Good afternoon, congregation. Once again, a warm welcome to any guests visiting with us this afternoon. We have one announcement. There's a reminder that tonight at 6.30, there is Vespers at Zion Manor. Furthermore, we welcome Reverend Solomon from our neighboring congregation, Willoughby, to lead a worship service this afternoon. And our song of approach this afternoon is Psalm 147, verse 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, the call to worship this afternoon comes to us from Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Brothers and sisters, now please rise.
Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let us now sing in response to the greeting of the Lord from Psalm 145, the stanzas 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, now that we have come together as Church of our Lord Jesus Christ to listen to the proclamation of His Word, let us now also 
together with the Church of All Times and All Places, profess our undoubted Christian faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed, and let us do it this afternoon by singing Hymn 1. and sisters, let us now humble ourselves before the Lord, our God, in prayer. Lord God Almighty, Father in heaven, we come before your holy throne and we praise your holy name. Father, you are the God, the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. You, who through your Son, Jesus Christ, are our God and our Father. And we know that there is nothing of it that we deserve. We know that you created us in your image to live within your covenant with us. But we also know and confess that we sinned against you and with that deserved eternal death. But we thank you and we praise you that you gave your one and only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, came and assumed human nature to redeem us, human beings, mankind, from the eternal wrath over our sins. Your wrath. And now we pray, Father, will you give us faith that we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and that we will be united with him in his death and resurrection. 
so that the old nature may die with him and we may be raised with him to a new life. A life in which we again may be restored as your image. Father, we have come together also this afternoon to listen to the preaching of your word and what it teaches us about our misery and our salvation. We've also come together to respond to that in our worship. And Father, we pray, will you bless the preaching of your word? Will you also accept our sacrifices of thankfulness which we bring to you in our worship? That all may be cleansed and purified and may come before you as perfect sacrifices through the work of your Spirit. Father, we give us a good worship service so that we may go home strengthened by your word. We pray this all in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I will proclaim to you the word of God this afternoon about what the Bible says about the, the about man created in God's image, as it is summarized in Lord's Day 3 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Let us now first read from the Bible, from Genesis 1, verse 26 to 2, verse 3, and also from Genesis 3. We read Genesis 1, verse 26. We read through to chapter 2, verse 3. And then we also read Genesis 3. There we read the word of God. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I gave you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, Everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And it was evening, and it was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. 
So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And then now we go to chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruits from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from a tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And the man and his wife heard a sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid it. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from a tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from a tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Uh, It it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food. Until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. 
After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Brothers and sisters, let us now also sing about God's work of creation and God's creation of man. Psalm 8, all five stanzas.
Brothers and sisters, let us now read Lord's Day 3 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 3, there we read how the Church summarizes and confesses from God's Word about man created by God. Did God then create man so wicked and perverse? No, on the contrary. God created man good and in his image, that is in true righteousness and holiness, so that he might rightly know God as creator, heartily love him, and live with him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify him. From where then did man's depraved nature come? From the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. For there our nature became so corrupt that we are all conceived and born in sin. And are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil? Yes, unless we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. Brothers and sisters, let us, in response to the word of God, after the preaching, let us sing together hymn 82, all four stanzas. Beloved brothers and sisters, the congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, God did not create man so wicked and perverse. That is what Lord's Day 3 starts with, and that is also what we will have to confess, and we do confess with Lord's Day 3. We know and we believe that God created man good and in his image. And it's clear from the very first chapter of the Bible. There the Bible says about God's creation, and God saw that it was good. And after he created man, after the sixth day, when the creation was complete, and the Bible even says, God saw everything that he had made, and it was very good. But now, if we look around in this world, we see a world that is mortal. Nobody and nothing has eternal life. There's so much death in this creation. Everything will change and, and, and everybody will die. A hundred years from now, hardly anybody that, who, who lives now will exist in a world full of misery. Full of disasters, sickness, death. 
And we know through faith that the world as it is now, this creation, it is all the result of sin. And the whole creation lives in great misery because of what man did. We human beings, our sin. God created this creation and he also created mankind because he wanted us as human beings to use this creation and to enjoy this creation to glorify him. Him, the almighty creator of heaven and earth. And that is why he gave us this beautiful creation, to enjoy it, to live in it, to use it, all to glorify him. And it is still after fallen sin, his goal with his creation. And also with the renewal of this creation. That is the goal of his work through Jesus Christ. To redeem this world and to bring this creation to its final destiny. So it's all about the glory of God. Also the glory of God in the creation of man. And that's the theme for the preaching of God's word this afternoon. The glory of God in the creation of man. First we note man as the image of God. Second, man within the covenant with God. And a third, man and his sin against God. The glory of God in the creation of man. First, we see man as the image of God. When God created this creation, he gave the task to man, to mankind, to fill the earth and subdue it. God did not create a creation which was completely finished. But he made a creation which still had to develop and which man had to develop. So that by doing so, mankind would glorify God and God would enjoy his creation together with us as human beings. And God would have been reached also if man had not fallen in sin. In the words in Genesis 1, verse 28, that's very well known text, our cultural mandate, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. That task was given to mankind before the fall in sin. And then if man had not fallen in sin, then man would have fulfilled his task and the whole creation would have come to full development to the goal which God had with his creation and which we can read again in Revelation 21 and 22. And it's because of his sin that man is not able to fulfill this task anymore. But then God did not give up his goal after sin of man. No. He keeps working towards his goal the full development of his creation according to his plan. And then we see that even the fall in sin has a place in that plan so that the consequent work of salvation would even be to the further glory of his name. And then he would be known not only as the almighty creator of heaven and earth, but also the merciful God of our salvation. He who worked a salvation that no eye had seen, nor ear had heard, no human mind had ever conceived, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians. 
his glory. And we living with him in the covenant to glorify him. That is again the final goal of his work of salvation. He will cleanse this world of all sin and unrighteousness and bring it to complete fullness. And then God created us, mankind, in his image. Created in his image, that means, according to the catechism, in true righteousness and holiness, so that man might rightly know God, his creator, heartily love him and live with him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify him. Well, and that was and that is the difference between mankind, man created by God in his image, and any other creature. There's no other creature that God created with which he wanted to have a relationship as he does with man. And there's no other creature there for which God gave the talents and the gifts which he gave to man. Men, human beings, are able to communicate and to love and to reason and, and much more what animals cannot do. And all those gifts are given to him to rule over his creation and to live in a relationship of love with God. And therefore there is a fundamental difference between mankind and the animal world. A difference that is being denied nowadays by so many scientists and also in the theory of evolution. God wanted to have communion with man. He wanted man to love him, to choose for him in love as a choice which he made with his own free will. And God made man so that he could do this. And he could choose for God in love. If God would have made man in a way that he would automatically choose for God without choice, without the possibility to make the wrong choice, then that was not a choice which was made in love. Then man would have been a robot or a computer which is made to do what it is told. Love, however, is only possible if it comes from a person who can choose to love or not to love. It would not have been true love if it was not made out of free will. And God created man so that he could choose for God and that he could keep the commandment of love about which the Catechism speaks in Lord's Day 2. In the second place we see man within the covenant with God. God placed Adam and Eve with him in a very special position in paradise. God created man, Adam and Eve, male and female. He created them as governors over his creation, but still they are his creatures. When we look at Genesis 2 from verse 4, and also in Genesis 3. And then we see a difference there with Genesis 1. 
In Genesis 1, we read time and again about God, the name God. God created the heavens and the earth. But from Genesis 2, verse 4, and also in chapter 3, we read about the Lord God. In verse 4, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And the word Lord, in our translation, that is the translation of the Hebrew name Yahweh. And that is the name of the God of the covenant. And it makes it clear that God presents himself already there in paradise as the God of the covenant. It was not the covenant that he made with Abraham and with Israel later. No, but still it was the covenant between God and mankind. And within that covenant, God came to his creature. God lifted him up and made him part of the covenant. He lifted man up to such a high level that man could stand before God within the covenant and live with God within the covenant. The creature, man, could live with his creator, God. God is the almighty God from everlasting to everlasting. God, the creator. A man is created. That is, man has a beginning. He is not from everlasting like God. And that makes it very special, that covenant, that God comes to man and makes his covenant with man, the covenant of love. And within that covenant that God made with mankind and Adam and Eve, God gives man the right to come to him. Man could count on God. God gave his promises within the covenant, the promises that he would care for them and provide them with everything they needed. He even planted for them a garden of Eden, and they could live there and enjoy the garden and enjoy life in the beautiful creation of God. And the whole creation created by God was subjected to them by God. Why did God do that? Well, because he wanted to live in a relationship with man. A relationship of love. A relationship in which man would express his love for God as an answer to God. God who first showed his love to man. And in that way, God would be glorified by man. More than in a situation in which man would only be a servant who could only obey and do what his master said. Now man could make a choice and out of free will show his love and honor to God. And in this way God would receive the highest honor. And that Christianity is totally different from any other religion. That we live in a relationship of love with God. We are not his servant, but he is our father. We are his children. After the fallen sin, God again made his covenant with man. And now we call it the covenant of grace. God promises in Genesis 3 verse 15 that he will not accept the situation as it is after the fall. The situation in which man chose the side of Satan and became his ally. God will not accept that. But God says... I will put enmity 
between you, Satan, and the woman, between your offspring and hers. So that means that, that mankind, and with him also this creation, will not remain in the power of Satan. That is why that enmity was necessary. Without that enmity, there will be no salvation. In order to make salvation possible, it was important that God did put enmity between those two allies, Satan and man, right away after the fallen sin. If mankind would not become enemies with Satan, then there would be no salvation. So, by saying that God would put enmity, God did not so much promise to bring war on earth. No, God promises there, when he says, I will put enmity, God promises there that he will restore his creation, redeem it from the power of Satan. He will restore his creation and bring it to fulfillment. And that is all his grace. Man who was first placed within the covenant with God, he broke that covenant by choosing against God, choosing the side of Satan, and with that he deserved eternal death. But now in place of eternal death, God again makes his covenant with man. He restores his covenant, and that is his covenant of grace. And within that covenant of grace, man is restored again in his position as the image of God. And then finally, when Christ returns, then man will receive all his gifts back, which he receives from God to rule over his creation. And man will reign with Christ over the whole creation in eternity. And God will receive his full honor and glory. But then in the third place, we also see man and his sin against God. Why does it all go through the way of fall and sin and then redemption and a new creation? Why did God allow man to fall in sin? Why does God allow all those terrible things to happen to his creation? Well, in the first place, brothers and sisters, the Bible teaches us that we can never blame God for the misery in this world. It's all the result of sin of man. And that is what Lord says 3 Summarizes in question and answer 6. Before we sinned, before Adam and Eve sinned, Satan had no place on this earth. Satan, a fallen angel, an angel who rebelled against God, he could not get any room on this earth as long as man did not give him that room. Man was king over his creation, king under God, Ordained to rule over his creation. The task of a king is also to protect his subjects from the attacks of their enemies. But man did not fulfill their task as king. By their sins, Adam and Eve, in fact, gave Satan permission to come on this earth. To set foot on this earth and to do his devastating and destructive work. But it is not only by the sin of Adam and Eve that Satan could do his work. It is also by our own sins. Every time when we sin, we don't just hurt God and our neighbor, 
But we also again give room to Satan to continue to do his work on this earth. Paul says, for instance, in Romans 5 about that, when he speaks about sin that came into the world. In Romans 5, verse 12, there he says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and this way death came to all men, because all sinned. That means that by Adam and Eve, sin entered the world. But it is not just by Adam and Eve. All sinned, the end of verse 12. It is not just the responsibility of Adam and Eve, but it is also our own responsibility because of our own sins. We are responsible together with Adam and Eve and entire mankind. And as long as man continues to sin, death will remain in this creation. And if every man and every woman on this earth would be able, and not only would be able, but also would do it, would fulfill his task as the image of God completely, then there would be no place anymore for Satan. And Satan will be totally defeated. Well, and that is exactly what happens when Christ will return. Christ, who on behalf of the entire mankind, fulfilled the complete obedience to God, and now gives it to us, we receive by faith what he obtained for us, a complete obedience to God. When Christ returns, then there will be no place anymore for Satan. Then our obedience will be completely restored. We will be, we will be completely sanctified and made perfect again. And then Satan is totally defeated. That now, as long as we live on this earth, we still sin. We sin against God and our neighbor. And now we still give room to Satan to do his destructive work on this earth. And please, brothers and sisters, realize that when you sin. It is not just that one little sin that we do, as we so often look at it, but it is also the opportunity we give to Satan again to continue his evil work. By our sin we approve of what Satan does. Because by your sin, by our sin, we choose his side. Or we give him at least the opportunity, again, to do his evil work. Instead of de defending this creation against this terrible enemy. It is because of our sins. It is because of, of the sins in each and every one of us. That there is so much misery in this world. Through the sin of Adam and Eve, sin came into this world. And from that moment on, man's own nature is so depraved that he is unable to do any good. We are all conceived and born in sin. But what is the origin of evil? Before Adam and Eve, it was Satan and his devils who rebelled against God. And when God created good, when he created everything good, did he also create the possibility of evil? Well, that is what many say now in this world. 
who don't believe that God is completely good. They believe that God is good, but they also created evil as the opposite of good. And through the battle between good and evil in this world, good must finally conquer. Or others even go farther in the same way as the Manichaeans did in the past in the church history. And they believe that, well, the whole creation exists of good and evil. If there is good, then there is also evil. The kingdom of good and the kingdom of evil, which fight against each other and some sparks of the good kingdom got lost in the kingdom of evil. And that is what we see in this world. Christ and the believers. And they have to be redeemed from this kingdom of evil. And God has to fight against Satan. Both are kings. God of the kingdom of good and Satan of the kingdom of evil. But that is not true. It is not true that good and evil are the opposite parts of one magnet. Or the two sides of one coin. It is not true that the one belongs to the other. God created this creation without evil, without death. It was a perfect creation. And as Satan and his devils chose against God, that was their own choice. And it is their evil, and it is not created by God. And that is all that we know about the origin of evil. And we must accept that. We must accept what the Bible tells us about it. And we should not try to find answers which God did not reveal to us. And we must maintain that God is completely good. And he did not create evil. And we must confess that it is by our sins and our choice that we brought evil and death into the world. And that we admitted Satan on this earth. This earth over which man was and is ordained as ruler. God created man good and in his image so that man would praise and glorify God. The glory of God, that was the goal of this creation and goal of the life of man. The whole creation was a beautiful and perfect work of God. We can still see a little bit of that around us. When we look around at God's beautiful creation. As Paul says in Romans 1, so much of God's power we can still see in His creation. And God wants us to see His works, both in this creation and in the preservation of this world. And in His work in the history of this world. In the history in which he works to redeem and restore this perfect, his perfect creation. Above all, man is the crown of his creation. God is working to make him perfect as well. And that is a work that no eye had seen, nor ear has heard, nor human mind had ever conceived. But God prepared it for those who love him. Nowadays, this task to praise and glorify God in all our words and deeds seems to be hard and difficult. Serving God, for many, it is more an obligation than that it is a joy. And it is also the result of sin. Satan tells us that serving God, well, that isn't good at all. That doesn't bring you joy if you serve God. And God's commandments are meant to make life difficult to us, to remove all pleasure from our lives. That is the way... That is what Satan teaches us. First, a little bit. He does it very carefully so that often we don't recognize it. He twists the truth a little bit. 
so that we will accept it and so that we still believe that we have our own Christian lifestyle. And first we see that only in those little things we, are equal to, we start to become equal to this world. We believe that that is not so bad. Well, that is the freedom which we have as Christians. But slowly but surely our lifestyle changes more and more and, and we don't even notice it. And we conform ourselves to the lifestyle of this world. And then at the end, what is then still the difference between Christians and non-Christians? Satan is destroying God's beautiful creation. And if we don't stand firm, then we take his side. God promised to put enmity between him and his followers and God's people, the woman and her descendants. And the Lord Jesus came to conquer sin and Satan so that through his work, God's beautiful creation can be restored. And he came as man, as human being in our place. And he fulfilled all the righteousness which we could not fulfill. He paid to God for all our sins. And the Lord says, for the catechism will teach us about God's righteousness. And there... There, the, there you will hear more about it. The Lord says, three ends with the answer that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil unless we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. And that is the only way out of the misery. There is no other way. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith that has worked through the Spirit of God. And that faith, that is the regeneration. That gives us new life. And that means that we must accept the message of the Bible. The message about our sin and misery. If we don't know and accept our sin and misery, then we will never accept our salvation through Jesus Christ. And never accept the regeneration through the Holy Spirit either. But those who do confess their sinfulness, their sin and misery, and those who do completely depend on God, to them, God speaks His words of promise, His mercy, His salvation. Amen.
Brothers and sisters, the Lord our God shows to us all his goodness and his grace. We may receive his blessings in so many things and let us now show to him our thankfulness for his many blessings by giving back to him a part of what we first received from him. You may now give your offerings to the Lord, and then thereafter let us sing together Psalm 145, stanzas 3 and 4.
brothers and sisters, let us now pray to God and give thanks to him. Lord Almighty God, Father in heaven, we come before your holy throne now again and we thank you for the many blessings which we received from you. We thank you for the great blessing above all that we may know that through your Son, Jesus Christ, we are your children, that we receive eternal life, life which we may live with you within a covenant, that you come to us with your love, that you redeem us from the power of death and restore us in a position as your image, that you work in our hearts love for you. And give us then through your word and spirit that we love you with all our heart and soul and mind. And that we also love our neighbor whom you also created in your image. And give us then that in this life we may live a life in which we glorify and praise you in all our thoughts, our words and our deeds. Father, will you work mightily in our lives. And will you use us to build your church, to glorify your name, and to build your kingdom. Father, be also with us as your church at this place, that we may live as communion of saints in true love for each other, and help each other and encourage each other, so that we all together may share in Christ and all his benefits we may live in a true unity of faith. Bless those who are called to be office bearers. Give them all that they need, all the wisdom, all the patience, all the faithfulness. Bless the deacons in their task to encourage us in being a communion of saints and to help those who are in need. And give us as congregation that we support them and supply them with all that they need to fulfill their tasks. Be with the elders in their task to govern and to lead this flock which you entrusted to their care. That they may be true pastors who care for the flock. And lead them on the path of eternal life. Path which our Lord Jesus Christ shows to us. We also were the minister of the word, Reverend Lauder, in his task to preach your word and to teach it. That he may be faithful in his task and that his word may be blessed. And that we may accept this preaching and teaching as coming from you. Father, will you build up your church through the work of the office bearers? Will you build up your church through the work of each and every member? we thank you that, that you decided to use us. We know you don't need us, but that you decided to use us to glorify your name on this earth. Father, we thank you for this day of rest which we received from you. Be with us also the remainder of this day, that we may continue to enjoy the time and the rest which we have that we may do it together to meditate on what we heard today in the preaching, that we may have time for each other, and that we may praise you. 
Keep us in your care and give you blessing when we go from here. Bless us all the days of this week and make us a blessing for so many living around us. Father, we pray this all. In the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing together from Psalm 145, stanza 5. and sisters now lift up your hearts to the Lord receive his blessing and depart in peace the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace Amen Thank you.